Well, welcome everyone um, to a Bush Disciples fourth Sunday. Uh, what the plan is, is for the first three Sundays of the month, I'm planning on working my real job only one day a week, which gives me time to pretty much fully prepare a message and do a bit of visiting and stuff. But on the fourth Sunday of the month, well, I actually need to work sometimes so that my family can still be fed. And so in the week leading up to the fourth Sunday, my intention is to work a full week if I can get, get a week's work. Um, and then we'll have a lower key Sunday on that fourth Sunday. So that's today. Um, now I'm hoping that sometimes we'll be able to get a guest preacher to come in and, and share something with us. Other times I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we'll just, just read some of God's word and, and just, just read it and just let God's word wash over us and, and um, just allow God to speak to us in that way. Other times I'm going to be doing what I'm doing today, which is taking a little piece of God's word and reading through it and then just having a little bit of explanation as we go. So it's a pretty short piece that, that, we've, that, that we're up to. Right? We've been working our way through Matthew and we're now up to Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. And what I thought we might do is we'll read it through now and then we'll just go through it verse by verse with a little bit of explanation as we go. So, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 35. Now, if you've got a Bible, um, be good to open it up to that this time because we'll be referring to it a bit as we go when we go on the message. Uh, can I have a volunteer to read it for me, please? Any volunteers? You can read it from the screen. It's going to come up on the screen. Go, Joy. Go. And when he came to the other side, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Before the time. Now I heard, I heard of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into that herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Thanks, Joy. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, this morning as we study your word, open our eyes to see Jesus, open our ears to your truth, open our hearts to your Holy Spirit and open our lives to your transformation. Lord, guard and protect us from the evil one by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been thinking about this passage all week uh, while I've been driving the water truck um, and when you're stopped and, and waiting for it to pump full, you've got plenty of time to, to think in 15-minute stints while the tank's filling. Um, but, so even though I started out by saying this is going to be a low-maintenance Sunday, God's put a, a lot on my heart that, that I have to share today. And let me tell you, there's nothing milky about this topic. There's a lot of meat today, a lot of meat indeed. Uh, so let's start the barbecue. Um, so we'll start from verse 28. 
when he came to the other side. All right, Jesus and his disciples have just crossed the lake. That's what we, our message was on last week, was when they had crossed the lake and the storm came up and they were terrified, the disciples, and they woke Jesus up and they said, we're going to drown him. And Jesus, oh, you have little faith. And he rouses on the wind and the waves and they all die down and, and we see the authority of Jesus over, over nature. Um, so they've just crossed over the lake and they've gone now to the country of the Gadarenes, which is Gentile territory. And we talked about the Jews and the Gentiles a couple of weeks ago. And two demon-possessed men met him. Whoa. Okay, let's stop right there. Two demon-possessed men met Jesus. What's that about? For most people today, um, any talk at all of demon possession or of the spiritual world or of personal evil is relegated to the domain of horror movies or fantasy or science fiction or maybe studies of of non-refined or primitive cultures and religion. But you know what? If you actually believe that what is written in the Bible is true, um, if you actually believe the same as what Jesus believed about the spiritual realm, then we cannot simply dismiss the existence of demons. And so I'm going to have to give you a bit of a quick overview, and, and I'm, I'm not going to have time to do this in depth, um, but I will tell you where you can find some of this stuff in your Bible. So you might want to write down some of these Bible readings. They're going to come up on the screen shortly. Um, so that you can go to those areas of the Bible and read them for yourself. Okay? So this is just going to be a condensed, ultra-quick overview of the spirit world. Many people today are willing to believe in God. Some people are willing to believe in God's angels. But there are many people who will not believe in the existence of Satan. And one of Satan's greatest tricks is to convince people that he doesn't exist. But the thing is, Satan does exist. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Many people ignore his existence and so he becomes more of a danger to them. So like a dog trap that's well hidden is a big danger to a dog. But if it's out in the open and not hidden, it's not so much of a danger. So here's the overview. I'm just going to put it up on the screen there. There is God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and under him are his angels. Cherubim, seraphim, archangels and so on. But standing against God is Satan and his demons. Who are they? The young fellows here before said the devil, he's the bad guy. Yes, he is. But where does this bad guy come from? Who are they? Where did they come from? Well, I have to be very open with you right at the start and say I can't point you to a chapter of the Bible that you can read that will give you the complete overview, uh, the complete package of the information of, of you know, where's Satan, where's his demons come from and so on. See, the Bible is filled with the good news about God and the good news about Jesus Christ and it doesn't in any section concentrate on the history and the existence of evil. But what we find throughout the Bible is little glimpses Just a little glimpse here and a little glimpse there, which when we piece it all together can begin to answer some of our questions. And what these glimpses reveal to us is this. First of all, something beyond dispute is God is God and there is only one God. There is the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but this 
together in perfect relationship is one person, our God who we worship. Now that's big for our minds to understand. But what we have to realise is there is just one God, there is no other. And so anything else that exists apart from God was created by God. God is the only thing, the only one who was not created. God created everything else. And so Satan is a created being. There is no other God. Satan is not a God. Anything else that is worshipped as a God is not a God at all, but demons trying to take the place of God. If you want to read about that, you'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17. So, if Satan is a created being, what sort of being is he? And why... Why, for heaven's name, would God have made him in the first place? Well, the Bible, and and here's a few Bible references for you up up there, seems to indicate that Satan started out as an angel. God created Satan as an angel. But this angel became proud and he didn't want to serve God any longer. And he wanted to take the place of God. He wanted to become God. And so he rebelled against God along with one third of the angels. And so one third of the angels became demons and their boss guy is Satan. So we now have God and his holy angels and Satan and his demons. But what's very important to remember is Satan is not a God. Satan can never be above God. Satan can never even hope to live up to the same level as God. He could never be an equal. And so we can always have confidence that our God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, is much more powerful than anything that the evil one can ever throw at us. So that's where they came from. They once were angels who rebelled against God. So that's what demons are. But... What does it mean to be demon-possessed? Because here was two men who were demon-possessed who came to Jesus. Well, firstly, let me say, Satan can't get a hold of you and just decide, I'm going to move into so-and-so. Satan needs to have a legal reason to get a foothold in a person's life. So the second thing I want to say to you is there is a difference between oppression and possession. Demons can oppress, that means they can influence many people. A person can be oppressed by a demon only if they've given the devil a foothold through sin. It can be be a giving in to temptation, it could be because of curses, could be a history of sin or a family history of sin, Uh, could be if you've received misleading teaching and believed it and started following it, Uh, could be an involvement in things like Freemasonry or pornography or or abuse of some kind and, and so on. And many of us, even Christians, need prayer to be released from ongoing spiritual oppression. But that's not possession, right? Many of us can be influenced and tempted by the evil one. And some of us ha- might have maybe a constant sickness in our, in our family or we might have a constant, a constant battle with a certain sin that we just can't seem to shake. And that might be because of some kind of spiritual oppression that we need to be freed of. Okay? But that's not possession. 
Possession is something very different and much more dangerous. Usually, even though a Christian may be getting influenced or tempted by an evil spirit, God inside of us is always stronger than the devil. Right? This shield of faith we talked about, have faith in God. If we start using this shield of faith, if we keep putting on this full armour of God, living righteous, you know, um, always telling the truth, these things guard us from the attacks of the evil one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? Never forget that. When you are a Christian, when you put your faith in God, when you ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, who's inside of you? I want to hear it. Who's inside of you? God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And he who is within you, God, is greater than he who is in the world. Anything that the world can throw at you, it's not a problem. Because he who is inside of you is stronger. So when you pray, when you read God's word, when you share together with other Christians, when you're truthful, when you're living righteously, when you put on the full armour of God, it doesn't matter how much the devil tries to oppress you, he's not going to succeed. But when you put that aside, when you turn your back on God, when you reject God, when you reject his commands which you find in his Bibles, in the Bible, when you completely reject him and begin to embrace the evil one, that's what leads to oppression, to, to possession. So in practical terms, um, and this is what I've been taught by older, more experienced ministers who work a bit in this area, in their experience, the sorts of activities that can open someone up to demon possession are things like heavy drug use, involvement in the occult, and that could be anything from full-on in-your-face Satan worship to other expressions of the occult, such as seances, communicating with the dead, um, playing with Ouija boards, fortune-telling, witchcraft, divination, which relevant one for us out here, folks, includes water divining, um, Astrology, now that's not the science of astronomy, that astrology is the star signs and stuff. Um, another big one for out here, indigenous religion and ceremony. Then we have things which are becoming more popular in our culture today, like new age type activities such as crystals, transcendental meditation, involvement in, in other religions and taking on their practices such as yoga, tai chi, reiki, iridology, um, for you farmers out there, biodyna biodynamic farming, keep away from all that sort of stuff. All that sort of stuff, when we reject God and disobey God by rejecting him and taking on these practices which he has explicitly forbidden from within his word, and when we start to embrace the spiritual disciplines of demons, guess what? That's the sort of stuff that gives the devil a foothold in our life. Which can, and sometimes does, lead to demon possession. Now, having said that, if you have ever unwittingly involved, been involved in some of these things, 
not knowing that they're of the devil. And let's face it, most of us have. Most of us have read our star signs in the paper or, or um, played with a forky stick or, or whatever. If you've given the devil a foothold, in Christ there is freedom. That's what you need to know today. In Christ there is always freedom. If sin gives a foothold, guess what takes that foothold away? The removal of sin. Who's the sin removal specialist? Jesus Christ. Okay? And so when Jesus takes away our sin, he takes away that foothold that Satan has. If we confess our sin and repent of it, that means to turn away from it, right? I now recognise that I shouldn't be doing this anymore. I'm turning my back on those things which I now know are wrong. I'm going to start living for Christ. Hey, freedom. The foothold's gone. God forgives us and there's no legal right for Satan to step in. So there's two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. That sounds scary, doesn't it? No wonder they make horror movies out of that sort of stuff. When someone becomes possessed, an evil spirit actually takes control of their nature. Um, Only three times in my life have I encountered somebody who I'm pretty sure was demon-possessed. Uh, their personality could just change, just like that. Um, they could be really nice and so on, maybe a little odd occasionally, but their personality could just change. And, and the look of, of anger and bitterness and, and violence and, and the venom that could just spew forth. Um, it was just like something evil controlled them. And that's what these two men were like, so fierce that no one could even pass that way. Verse 29, and behold, uh, by the way, whenever you see the word behold in the Bible, it's, it's look, look at this. All right, so, so look at this. They cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Now, in Matthew, up until this point in Jesus' ministry, no one, no person has, has identified, Jesus, you're the son of God. He's been tempted by the devil out in the desert and he knows that he's the son of God. And now here's this demon, he recognises the Son of God. Um, don't think that Satan is unaware of Jesus. Okay? He knows all about it and he also knows his fate. Um, and he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Yes, he has. Um, but what is this time of torment that the demons are so worried about? Well, here's some good news for you. At the moment, uh, demons have pretty much a free hand in the world, but that's going to change. When the Governor of Connecticut spoke about the school shooting at Newtown, Connecticut, does anyone remember what he said? It was pretty... It was splashed over the media a fair bit. He said, evil visited this community today. That was after many kids were shot. Now, when you open up your eyes to the extent of evil in the world today, when you begin to consider what drives such evil, what what could make somebody do such a thing? It's just beyond comprehension, some of the things that we hear done. Even just the other day, the the, um, 
chemical weapons getting used just the other day. What could make someone do that? Millions of Jews gassed in the gas chambers. Could, could any human being be so evil? What drives such evil? When you open up your eyes to the spiritual reality that is behind evil in the world today, it's pretty obvious that Satan and his demons are pretty active in the world. But that time is going to come to an end. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 tells us of their final fate. It says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulphur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. He's talking about hell, folks. Now, we don't like to talk much about hell these days because we we prefer to tell the good news, not, not the bad news. Or, oh, you know, we, we, we don't want to offend people by talking about hell. Let me tell you, hell is good news. Would you like to go to heaven and share it with, with Satan and his demons? No. No. Hell is good news. Evil, we see evil happening in the world and, and even non-Christians, you know, when they're looking for an argument of God, well, why does God let evil happen? Let me tell you. God is going to punish those who are responsible for evil. And that's what hell is about. Satan and his demons will be cast into the lake of fire and that's where they'll be in torment forever and ever. And they know it. They know it. But there's a warning for you and I there as well. And that is people who reject Jesus go there too. Because only a few verses later it says, and if, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, it's pretty important that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In the Bible it talks about two books. One book has all of the deeds of what we've done and the other book has the names of Jesus' followers, his disciples, written in it. And that one is called the Lamb's book of life. And at the end of time, when the whole world is judged, they're going to open both books. And they're going to open up the book of the list of everything that we've done and go, ah, you've done such and such and such and such and such and such. Sorry, off you go. But when he opens it up to to, to Roy's name, go, go, Roy, oh my goodness, Roy, you've... Oh, hang on, your name's in this book. I'm not going to read that. Roy's name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. It's in there, Roy. It's pretty important to get your name into the Lamb's Book of Life. There's only one way to get it in there, and that is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Your name doesn't get written into that book because you come from a long line of Christians. Your name doesn't get written into that book because you've done a lot of good things and hopefully the good things outweigh the bad things. Your name doesn't get written into that book because you got got a bit of water splashed over your head when you were a baby or because you got dunked under water when you are an adult. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life when you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, when you follow Jesus, when you've received him, he's taken away your sins, you've confessed, and then you've set out to follow him. It's important to have your name in that book, and if you're not sure, you better talk to him afterwards, Roy. So let's move on. 
Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and look, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. Jesus Christ has the authority to deal with demons. He has the authority to even cast them out of people who are possessed by them. And so do we. In the name of Jesus Christ, even today, lives that are destroyed by possession can be set free. But we have to be very careful because when demons come out, they've got to go somewhere. And that's a whole another topic which we're not going to have time to talk about today. But I do have to say this to you. Don't go trying to do it unless you've been taught how. The disciples watched Jesus do it many times before they attempted it. And then when Jesus sent them out, they then at times need a little bit of further instruction on what they had to do when they had a bit of trouble. So if you believe that there is a need anywhere for a casting out of a demon, come and talk to me about it or or some other Christian who you know knows about such things. Verse 33. The herdsmen fled and going into the city they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, look, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, They begged him to leave their region. Isn't that amazing? They'd just seen this amazing thing that Jesus had done in freeing these men and they begged him to leave. C.S. Lewis once said, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Folks, this Bible reading today, well, it's not about demons. It's about something much more important than that. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the authority of Jesus. It's about the authority that Jesus has even over demons. And it's about Christ bringing freedom. You see, Jesus didn't only come to feed the hungry. Jesus didn't only come to heal the sick. Jesus didn't only come to show us a better way to live or to to give an exemplary life. Jesus came to free us from sin and death. And for him to do that means he has to be able to overcome evil. He has to be able to overcome the power of sin and death. Jesus came to release the oppressed. Jesus came to release the possessed. This passage today is all about Jesus. And maybe for some of you, hearing about the spiritual world, hearing about the battle between Satan and his demons and God and his holy angels, maybe that's pretty exciting stuff for you to hear. But it's not about Satan. It's about Jesus. And we need to know about this stuff, know that in Jesus Christ we have victory over Satan and his demons, but let us always keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? 
Jesus Christ. When Jesus sent 72 disciples, with, with, we only think of the 12, but there was a time when he sent 72 of his disciples out to have a bit of a go themselves, and they came back and they were just so excited. And they said, oh, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, look, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Hey, one extreme is to become so consumed by the excitement of the spiritual battle that we lose sight of, of the main thing. But another extreme is to be scared off by it. Verse 34 said, And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave. Why? God had just intervened supernaturally into their world and it scared them. And a lot of, most of us, we're brought up, we're educated to think in the natural. And when something supernatural happens, whoa, oh, you know, that's not the sort of religion I'm into. It scared them and they turned their backs on Jesus. In many churches in our culture you will never, ever, ever hear a message teaching you about Satan and the evil spirits. Some of you might have gone to church all your life and never heard a message telling you the things you've heard today. Maybe you've never heard about demon possession and had it explained. Many people are open to teaching on less spiritual matters but don't want to have anything at all to do with that kooky supernatural stuff. Don't be scared off by it. This is something that God does to bring freedom to people. But don't become consumed by it. Let us always keep Jesus the main thing.